I don't know if you've ever been in this hypothetical situation before, but let's say you're a man, about 40, and you have a, you have a truck, and you think, I'm going to go pick up that big item. And when I get to that place to pick up that big item, I'm going to ask for people to help me get that big item into the truck. And then I think, uh-oh, I'm on the way home with said big item. And the, I mean, the hypothetical person says, uh-oh, I'm with this big truck <laughs> on the way home with, with this said item. And, and I'm thinking to myself, or he's thinking to himself, how, how do I get this said item out of this truck? Because uh, I'm five foot eight, he's five foot eight, and this thing is, is much uh, larger and taller and, and just, just quite, quite obtuse. And so trying to figure this out, and, and you come to a point where I know you've never been in this situation, especially you guys, where you're like, I'll engineer something. I mean, I might break it, but am I going to ask for help? Absolutely not, because I got this. I'm a man. And so you do what you can. You engineer some things, and then your, uh, your hypothetical neighbor has a similar situation, and he gets a, uh, 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 an aerator to aerate his yard, and those things are kind of awkward and bulky and heavy, and he's got in the back of his truck, and he does something that probably we should do. He went, uh, hey, Stephen, can you come over? I mean, hypothetical man, can you come over, and can you help me uh, get this out of my truck? And what I found is it's easy for, for some people, uh, some people to be hesitant to ask for help. I don't know what that is that can be ingrained within us because we think, well, I'll get it, I'll figure it, figure it out. Or maybe it's because at times you maybe have been bombarded with people who are constantly asking you for something and it, it can kind of get a little bit frustrating because you're like, I, I, can, can you not figure it out? And so there's kind of this, this thing that we can do at times as as just human beings, as men and women, is we're like, well, I don't want to be the person that is always got the handout and saying, help me, help me, and they're never helping themselves. But, but what we do at times within a lot of just life is we don't want to be that person. So we don't look at a biblical standard to keep. We go to the exact extreme, extreme opposite because you'll never find me being that person or that guy or that gal and yet what we can find in Scripture is that a hallmark within the life of a Christian should be that of, of humility, of where we recognize that there are going to be moments where we desperately need help. And, and my desire is that for us this morning is, is next week we're going to conclude, because it's the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount. It, it's kind of Jesus, like his, 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 his last statements but what we're getting to today is really the climactic point of the Sermon on the Mount before he goes into the conclusion of his sermon. And he, he's coming to, to this point of where I, I want us as individuals, as we go into this week, as you go into this next year, as you go into this holiday season, it, it, that you would be someone who would say, I want to be as proactive in my faith as I possibly can and not reactive. There's some moments where we can't help but be reactive to situations, but there's other moments, say for example, like having a big box in the back of your truck. If you're being proactive, you, you could already set things up in a way to where, neighbor, I might need help. Would you be willing to help me? It, it's humbling yourself and saying, I can't handle that kind of, 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 of awkwardness or that kind of thing without damaging something or destroying something. But when you're in that moment and you're holding that, that large box and it's about to fall and all you can do is just kind of keep it up, you're in that reactionary state of where you're trying to get your phone out of your pocket to call somebody for help and you're in a worse situation that could lead to some kind of damage or destruction. 
Now that's for a physical thing like a box, but it's true for us as individuals in our walk with the Lord. Is we're like, well, I don't want to inconvenience God. I don't want to bother God because I need to figure this out. And what I want us to see is that we've been journeying through the Sermon on the Mount. And for us to live out any of this with our anger issues, our lust issues, our marriages, our integrity, our, our words, our, our not judging people, we cannot navigate this life without Christ. And to think that we can is prideful and stubborn and just reckless. And here he comes to the end and, and, and he's, he's wrapping this up and he's wanting us to, to really get this because I, I've shared with this with you several, several different times, but when we launched into chapter six of the Sermon on the Mount, he began to talk what I've been coining as real faith. This is what real faith looks like. And as you read it, you're like, man, real faith is you need to be generous. You need to have a disciplined prayer life. Uh, you, you, you need to be fasting. You need to know what real treasure is. You need to not worry or have anxiety. You need to not judge people. And it's like, uh, struggle on that, that, fail there. Don't do that very well. And, and it comes to a point where you go, man, Jesus, this real faith that you're talking about seems wildly ambitious. Who can possibly meet this standard? And then he closes before he goes into the conclusion with these words. Look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. He says, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you when his son asks for a loaf will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? In everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you. For this is the law and the prophets. In just a moment, I'm going to pray for us. But before I do, I want to go ahead and let you know that when we come to the end of our time, a lot of times we sing as a response or as an invitation or whatever it may be. And today we're just going to have some just guitar play. And it's going to be an opportunity for us to where I think it's fitting that if we're discussing what real help looks like, and it's kind of covered in, in prayer, it would make perfect sense for us that before we leave today that you pray. That you would take the time, as we've done before, maybe tangibly, of, of getting a piece of paper and a pen here in the front or here in the back. Because if, if you're like me, I, I need to be a little bit more hands-on versus just, sitting there. I want to write down, because I want you to identify in your life personally, and not just generically, but in your life personally, what are those struggles or those frailties or those weaknesses that are yours that you're saying that is kind of hindering me from living the life of real faith that I want to live? Identify those. So just know when we come to the end, it's on you of how you respond to this. I hope that you'll, you'll respond by, by engaging with, Lord, you've been speaking to us from the Sermon on the Mount for some time now. I want to live this real life of faith. What do I need help with? Let's pray to that end, and then we'll close to that end. Let's pray. Father, thank you that we are getting to study your word and hear what your son specifically said here in this sermon. Father, I do. I pray that we would, we would not be a people who would just allow your words 
to come into one ear and go out the other, but Lord, that we would have a desire and an earnestness to want to hear what you have to say, to live it out. And may that today be just, we have a just a, a deep sense of, of humility and need of you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So to meet real Christianity, and this, this may not sound even maybe appropriate, but as I was writing this, I think real Christianity, real faith can be really hard. So I need some real help. I wonder if that's true for you. For me to walk that life and that faith that God has called us to, at times it can be incredibly difficult, incredibly hard. So I, I need some real help. And what, what we're going to see, look at verses seven and eight. If you're taking notes, real help is through real prayer. Real help through real prayer. Some of you maybe even heard this passage, studied this passage, and it's been taken out of context. Uh, it, it's, it's been taken to be like, well, this is your opportunity to use God as like a genie in a bottle and say, here's all the stuff I want. But we got to take it into context with what we've already been studying. If you've been a part of this journey of the Sermon on the Mount, a part of this study of what is real faith. It's deeper than, than saying, I want some kind of toy or some kind of thing. This is someone crying out to God in light of what we studied on the Sermon on the Mount, of real faith. It's, I want life, Jesus. I want the kingdom to come. I want to live out what you've been preaching, and I need help with that. If I want to live up to God's standard and his law, then I need you because you came to not abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. And through faith in you, then I have what I need. And so he says, if you want to live this kind of life, you need to pray and you need to ask. In fact, as some of you may know who have studied this, when he says ask and seek and knock, this is an imperative. This is a command. This is a present imperative in the language. It's this sense of, I'm commanding you to ask. I'm commanding you to seek. I'm commanding you to knock and keep on doing it. Come again and again. You're not an inconvenience. You're not a hassle. Because for you to live this life, how can you live something that when I say you are to be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect to be beyond reproach, how can you be expected to do that if I don't help you? So cry out to me, ask, seek, knock, pursue me so that you can live the life that I've designed for you to live. We can't accomplish this on our own. And yet, I don't know about you, but at least for me, there are moments in my life where I have just chosen not to pray. Because I've made the statement of, well, what does it matter? Some of you may even remember uh, back in Matthew 6 of where it says, uh, uh, it says, so do, you, do not be like the Gentiles for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Well, God, if you already know, then why am I even asking and seeking and knocking? You already know. What's the point? And, and we become hardened. We can become stubborn. Uh, we, we believe that with maybe there's an unanswered prayer that we have in our life. And we thank God that's not answered, but we know according to scripture and just according to life and experience, at times the answer is yes. At times the answer is no. And at other times the answer is, is, is wait, or it's just, just not now. But this is where it becomes difficult is when you receive the no answer, how do we respond to that? And at times we choose not to pray because we are hurt or because of pride, and in some ways, I think these two are kind of even kind of uh, co-mingle with one another. 
that there have been moments where because of a great hurt that I've experienced of God, why won't you answer this prayer for this person or this need in my life or this desire in my life? God, where are you at? I'm hurt. And so I want to pull back because I, 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 I don't want to come to you. Or because of pride, we think, well, well, what's the point? Or I'll just figure it out. I don't want to be an inconvenience. And so we choose not to pray. And what Jesus is about to do is brilliant here. I think he is already preparing for people to go, well, why pray? Why should I pray? Maybe I'm hurt. Maybe I'm prideful. Maybe I just don't understand the point of it. But why should I pray? Can I actually be confident that you're actually going to help me live out this real faith in this life that can be incredibly hard at times? So let's go to point number two. You can be confident of real help. You can be confident of real help. So the question that you might ask is what I asked myself is, well, how can I be confident of real help? And the first point is this. You can be confident of real help because of the character of your heavenly father. Because of the character of your heavenly father. A few weeks ago, if you were with us, if you weren't, go back, listen to the sermon, or go back and study the passage yourself. But in Matthew chapter 6, same message that Jesus is preaching on that mountainside. In Matthew chapter 6, he teaches his disciples and all those listening on that mountainside how to pray. But now, here at the end of his sermon, before the conclusion, before he wraps it up, here at the end, he says, I'm not going to, I already taught you how to pray, but now Jesus is revealing who you are praying to. He's pointing you and me toward the character of God. Did, did you even notice in verses seven and eight, just look at your scripture there. Look at your scripture. Did, did you notice that it says in verse seven and eight, it says, ask and it will be given to you. Knock and it will be opened to you. Uh, uh, to him who knocks, it will be opened. Have you ever asked the question when you studied this, what is the it? What's the it? And that's where we get a little bit out of context, a little bit off of thinking it's going to be stuff or things or toys or whatever it is. But we realize that when we studied the Lord's prayer in Matthew chapter six, that we're hopefully already praying, God, give us this day our daily bread. Provide for my needs. I need bread in order to live. It's at this moment that I believe that, that, that Jesus is saying the it is that God gives good things. Look at verses 9 through 11. He, he, he illustrates this. He, he talks about how if, if there is a man who, who sees his son and he asks for a loaf, is he going to give him a, a stone? Or if he's hungry and he asks for a fish, is he going to give him a snake? I mean, uh, imagine the absurdity of this. Imagine you with your child or your grandchild, your niece or your nephew, or just someone that you're taking care of who is dependent upon you. They can't drive. They don't have any money, but they're hungry. And they come to you and say, can I please have like a hamburger over at just the Sonic? I mean, it's just right there. Can you, can you get me that? And you're like, all right, let's go. And then you think it would be hysterical to put like a pebble or a rock inside of that hamburger and go, here you go. <laughs> have, have fun, enjoy. And You've not only shattered his teeth, you've broken his heart. I don't know what that was. You've done something to violate that trust. His, his teeth are no more. His, his heart is broken. The same is true with the fish. You, you wouldn't give him something to eat and say, oh, you want some fish? Here's a fish sandwich. And then there's a little, a little rattle in there. That, that, that's cruel. That's mean. That, that, that's not appropriate. And he's saying... Even, even, a, 
even an earthly father who, as he says, is, is evil because of our sin, even an earthly father who has any kind of decency is going to understand there's no way that I'm going to do that toward a child of mine because that child needs me and trusts me. So even if someone who is evil would be kind enough and decent enough not to be that kind of cruel person, how much more so our heavenly father, who as we know from the book of James, that he is the giver of good gifts. He, every good gift is from above. This is what he is, is giving. Again, it's this reminder that this isn't about, about stuff. This is about God's wisdom within your life, him offering you what is needed, what you need to navigate the waters of real faith. Some of you are in a stormy season right now and you're like, I can't see, how do I navigate? You need to call, you need to ask, you need to seek, you need to knock, not for stuff, but for him, for the qualities that he can provide for you to get through this time and this season of life. And it's at this moment that you might say, I'm still hurt, I'm still struggling. Why would I go to him if he already knows? Does he care? And this is what I would say in moments when desires are not met, prayer requests are not answered in the way that you want. And you're like, God, do you care? Are you there? It's if and when in those moments that you need to be reminded to look to the cross. Look to the cross of Jesus and recognize that his great love for you was so much that he sent his son to live the life that we could not live upon this earth and to die the death that we deserved in our place that the wrath of God was taken upon Jesus in order that we would be spared the wrath of God by placing our faith in Jesus and experiencing his grace. He laid down his life. As it says in the book of Romans, God demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for you. He died for us. Why? Because, because our heavenly father, his character is good. Because his character is good, I can be confident that he will help me when I ask and when I seek and when I knock. Well, how else can I be confident of real help? Not just the character of the Father, but you have access to the Father. Sometimes you might go, yeah, I know God, he, he's a good God. But does he really want to hear from me? You have access to the Father. When, when we read this, even though it says be persistent, like keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Some people have read this and been like, well, is this someone who is in a desperate situation? Who's just like, I got to chase after God because I may not be able to get him if I don't track him down. And, and I want to relate it like this. Those of you who've worked with children, have children of your own or grandchildren, niece or nephew. I, I want you to think about whenever they pursue you for something that they need help with. I'll give you an example of my own life. Whenever I was hungry as a child and I needed something, it was easy for me to either go to mom or dad. I would ask, I would seek, and, and I would knock. And it's not in a sense of begging. There was never a moment in my life where I was like, please, dad, give me some food. Like I'm so, so hungry. But rather I would confidently go to my father because I, I needed and I wanted this snack. And what I would do is I would ask, I might be sitting there in front of the television playing Nintendo and having a good time. I'm like, I'm hungry. Dad, hey dad, you got, can I get a snack? I don't hear any response. And I'm like, well, that's not right. Normally when I cry out, he hears me. 
So I get up and I start seeking after him. I know he's in this house somewhere. This is his house. And so I'm walking around and I'm seeking after him. And I'm like, I know he's going to give me a snack. I just got to find him. And then, and then I realize sometimes he's in that room and the door is locked because maybe, I don't know why, but if I knock on that door, hey, dad, you in there? And I'm not desperately seeking him in that sense of desperation, but I'm confidently seeking him because I know he's here. I know he's good and he is inclined to give me that snack. Again, not out of desperation. There's no sense of like, I've asked, I've seen, I've knocked, I can't find him, I can't hear him. Is, 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 is this dad thing real? Is this a construct of society? Is he actually there? Is he, is he available for me? Can I actually rely on this person? Does he have good character? I'm going to die and be alone because I can't find my dad. No, 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 no. You are confident because of the character and the access given to you by faith in Christ that you can go to the Father. But you got to go, ask, seek, knock. It's not out of desperation. It's not out of fear. It's out of confidence that I'm going to go after my dad because one, there is a dad. There is a heavenly father and he's good. And I'm going to persist in this endeavor because I know his heart is inclined to give me that snack. So I move toward him. Would you this morning go, I'm going to choose to move toward my heavenly father because he has commanded me and given me the confidence of his character and the access that he desires to help me to walk and navigate this, this faith life that can be so hard. Could some of you use a little bit more grace, a little bit more mercy, a little bit more love? I know you may not be like me. Let's talk about that hypothetical guy one more time. There's some times where I'm like, you're hard to love. God, help me. I need you. And so, if you don't think that that's true, don't just rely on my words, but listen to the words of Scripture. Romans 5, I think it's on the screen. Romans 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, I hope that's true of you. You're not just naturally justified. You're justified by faith. Since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained, attained access. <laughs> access. You have obtained access. Where are you at? By faith into this grace, which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. You have access because of your faith and the justification and just the work of God in your life through Christ. Some of you are like, I don't know if I can go to him. You don't know what I did last night. You don't know what I did this week. Man, run to your father. Hebrews chapter four. Some of you may know this one. Therefore, let us draw near with what? Confidence. Let's draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy. We need mercy. If I'm going to demonstrate mercy, man, I need mercy. I can't give out of what I don't have. I, 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 we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. I don't know about you, but I believe that as I've gotten to know you over this last year, that, that, that I would say just about all of you that I've been able to visit with, you love the Lord and you want to live for him, then cry out to him regularly, daily, consistently, confidently, because you need him. I think many of you, regardless of what season of life you're in, what age you are, what experience you have within ministry and the church, you want to see yourself hopefully mature in your walk with the Lord. 
then you need to go to him because you have access and you have confidence that you will receive mercy and grace. So God wants us to have these attributes of real faith because of who he is and because he loves you. I mean, think of this. None of us come to God on our own. We know from scripture that we need help from God in order to to, to go to God, to, to, to receive from God. That help we receive from him is in the form of conviction of our sin and the drawing of himself, uh, uh, drawing, drawing you to himself. He initiated the relationship that you have with him. And if today you're like, man, that, that verse you read, since I've been justified by faith, I have peace with God. I don't feel at peace with God. You can be at peace with God today. Today could be the day of your salvation where you know that you know that I am at peace with God because maybe even right now, he is wooing you to himself and saying, do you recognize that you're separated from me? And the only thing that can bring peace between you and me, a sinner and a holy God is my son, Jesus. And he died for you. And when you come to faith in Christ, you not only have peace, you have grace, you have mercy, you have access to the heavenly father. And I'm gonna help you walk through this life. It will be hard. As Jesus prayed in the high priestly prayer in John 17, the world has hated me. (laughs) They're going to hate you if you're a follower of mine. It's not always going to be easy, but it's worth it. It's absolutely worth it. So what would compel us to, 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 uh, to, to live out this life, this real faith, what would compel us to, to, to do what we do and why we would do it? And I think it boils down to one of two things. Oftentimes we are compelled to do what we do either out of fear or out of love. Fear or love? And this is where the last verse, verse 12, comes in. Perhaps the most familiar verse of all of Scripture, even if you didn't know it was Scripture, even more than John 3.16, people know this statement because it's just everywhere. It's the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. This is a statement that I think what Jesus is saying Now that you have this posture and stance of humility of I need help and I'm confident that I'm going to receive it, then I'm going to to receive from you. I have this posture of humility, of prayer, and I'm rooted in confidence. And so I'm going to to ask for grace in order to live out grace. And, And this verse, verse 12, the golden rule, specifically, the way that it is worded in verse 12 is specific and and exclusive and limited to the Bible. Some of you who are well-read might go, wait, 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 wait. I think I've actually heard something like this from other cultures and places. And perhaps you have the Stoics, the Rabbi Hillel, the Epicureans, uh, Confucius. They all have a statement that sounds similar to this, but they're all found in the negative. Isn't that interesting? That for them, they would say, don't do to someone what you wouldn't want them to do to you. And Jesus flips this on his head and he goes, no, 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 no. I, I, I want you to do to others what you would want them to do for you. Because oftentimes, we, if we're not careful, we live in the negative. We live in fear of, I'm not going to do this because I'm, I'm, I'm afraid of what could happen or won't happen or what will happen. But instead, Jesus is saying, no, 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 flipping this on its head. We're not going to be about us and just self-preservation or fear of retaliation. We're gonna flip it onto the positive and say, no, 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 I choose to say, I wanna do good for you because that's how I'd wanna be treated in return, even if I get nothing back. I, I wrote this down, listen to this. Do for each other what we want the other to do for us. Would you not want someone to be humble before you? Be humble. 
Do you not want someone to be gentle with you when you've had a mistake? Be gentle towards others then. To be kind. I want people to be kind to me, so I'm going to choose to be kind because that's what I would want. Loving, patient, tactful, gracious. I'm, I'm not sure what your flaws are, what your weaknesses are, what your frailties are, but I'm sure the last thing you would want me to do is to bring you up here and go, here's the laundry list of all the stuff this guy or gal, gal struggles with. You're like, what? No, I'm not coming back to this place. But if we could have people within our life in this Christian walk that we could come to and say, these are my frailties. These are my weaknesses. These are my struggles. And they're just hoping that you would treat them the way that they would want to be treated. That I'm humbling myself to you to say, this is where I struggle when you just go through the corridor of the Sermon on the Mount that we've studied so far, maybe it's like, man, I really struggle with anger. I'm really having a hard time with lust. I'm really having a hard time with my marriage. I'm, I'm struggling to be a man or woman of integrity. Love my enemy? What? And, and you share these things. I, I'm not generous. I'm one of the stingiest people that I know, but no one else knows that. I'm actually quite greedy, but no one confesses greed as a sin of theirs. But if, if we were open and honest with one another of, of this is what's going on, how would you want them to treat you? And yet so often what we do is we hear of someone who is struggling in a specific area. And what we do is we kind of look at them and go, I can't believe they struggle with that. Is that how you, if you shared the vulnerable recesses of your heart, that you would want them to treat you? And yet, we wonder why we don't live out James chapter five of confess your sins one to another and you will be healed because we're afraid that they're not going to treat me the way that I would want to be treated. So let's live out of and from that posture. Let's, let's be people who, who kneel into grace prayer and then turn around and extend that grace. Cause don't we love kind and gracious people? I certainly do. So I want to be that person because that's what I would want to receive. And so the question might be, is okay, well, why does he tackle on the golden rule here? Because I believe that verse 12 is the summary climactic statement of the entirety of the Sermon on the Mount that he's preached thus far. Again, next week, we're going into the conclusion, the wrap up, but this is the climactic point. He's saying, in light of everything that I've just shared with you, all of the stuff from chapter five and, and chapter six, this is a summary of what real faith is. And if we're going to live it out, we need grace and we need truth. If we're going to live it out, our real faith is realized through Jesus Christ, who fulfills the law and the prophets. Some of you who are with us when we started this in Matthew 5, in Matthew 5, Jesus begins with his thesis statement of, I have not come to abolish the law and the prophets, but to fulfill the law and the prophets. And here he comes to bookend it. Boom. This is what it looks like for you to live out the law and the prophets. Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. You want to live real faith? Then do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Because when you do that, you're going to get a, get a hold of the issue of your anger. You're going to get a hold of the issue of your lust and your integrity and being a man of your word and a woman of your word. You're not going to be anxious. You're not going to worry. You're not going to be someone who is struggling with judging other people. Because you've prayed and said, God, I need your grace and mercy to walk and navigate this life. When I pray to receive that grace and mercy, I now have the ability to extend that grace and that mercy. This prayer and the golden rule 
I think we can feel free to give to others generously, be sacrificial to others, love others, because we're confident in that giving up what we have, because it does take something. We do give up something when we help others, time, resources, whatever it may be, that we know that ultimately we're going to have an eternal well of resources that are going to replenish us to be able to live out this faith life. We empty ourselves, and when we do that, we're living out that, that God love, that agape love, and we look like Christ. And sometimes I think we are hesitant to do unto others as we do unto, have them do unto me because we're thinking, one, well, why won't anybody do it to me? And then once they do it to me, then I'll feel like I can do it to others. Or we're like, I don't have the capacity to do that because I'm just exhausted and worn out. But this is what I found that's been interesting is that when we choose to serve the Lord in his kingdom, not out of obligation or legalism, but we choose to serve the Lord in his kingdom, there is something unique about him replenishing us. We, we experience the words of the prophet Isaiah, those who wait on the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. And so if we're going to be compelled to move forward and to extend grace, even though it feels like at a time, maybe someone is just leeching onto you and they are just almost just like just pulling so much life out of you because it's an emotional weight and you're trying to do for them what you know that they need. And you're like, do I have the capacity to continue? You humble yourself and you ask and you seek and you knock and say, God, I, I, need, I need your strength. Your mercies are new every morning. Can I have a few? Can I have some of that? And I go to you with confidence because I know you're a good father with a great character who loves me. And if I ask and seek and knock, if, 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 I, if I draw near to you, James says, you will draw near to me. And so what we have is we have an opportunity for you to draw near to God this morning. Don't, don't let just the next few moments be something of where you're like, well, that, those are some good points. Or what time's lunch? But that this morning, you would identify those areas of your life. So what we're going to do is we're going to pray. And, and as we pray, I want you, whether it's a piece of paper there in your Bible, or maybe a margin, or the back of your Bible, or a piece of paper up front, I want you to take some time. And, and what we're going to do is, is, is we're, gonna, we're just going to pray. Lauren, could you come on up? And this is what I want you to do. I want you to pray with confidence in the character of our Father and the knowledge that we have access to Him. Pray not for some stuff today, but pray that the Lord would supply the needs that you need in order to extend grace and demonstrate love. So would you bow your head and would you close your eyes? And, and and maybe just bow your head because you may be looking at a piece of paper right now. But what I've asked Lauren to do is if, if she would just play so that you can be as undistracted as possible in order to just focus in on the Lord. And you might be saying, well, well pastor, I don't, I don't know. I don't know where I need that grace and love from God. I don't know really what I'm struggling with. And what's incredibly frightening is in a moment like this, when it's a little bit calmer and a little bit quieter and we're in a setting that you have an opportunity to be still and to identify what those things are. And that may be frightening for some of you. The stillness and the, and the quietness is unnerving to you. That's why we always have music playing or 
TV on. So we don't want to deal with the quiet. We don't want to deal with just God because we're, we're fearful. He'll be disappointed in me. Is he really there? I want to give you this time to confidently go before the Lord. And maybe you're struggling with what's my weakness, what's my frailty, where I need his grace and love to help me live out this life. And I just go back from what he already preached on. Is it anger? Take it to him. Is it lust? Write it down. Take it to him. Are you having a hard time being a man or woman of your word? Write it down. If you're having a hard time loving your spouse, write it down. If you're having a hard time loving those who are unlovable, those enemies of your life, write it down. If you're having a hard time being generous, if you're having a hard time praying, if you're having a hard time fasting from things that are just consuming your life, if you're having a hard time with one understanding what is eternal and what is temporal, what should I invest in? Maybe you're consumed with money, the fear of you don't have enough. Maybe you're incredibly anxious all the time. You don't want to say it out loud because that's not right. He told me not to worry, but I keep worrying. Write it down. Maybe you're judging some people. I caught myself doing that just this week. Yeah, the pastor did that. I repented. Asked the Lord to forgive me. Write down what it is that you need grace and mercy for. Because we all have frailties. We all have struggles and weaknesses. Take it to the Lord.